This is Preambling, where we turn our useless banter into a whole show so we can cut the fat from our normal episode. In this episode, we talk about The Sage Grouse Part 2, Revenge of the Bovine Trails, inductive versus deductive reasoning, keeping Canada united by threatening to leave it, and why almost $50 million is too little to keep single moms from getting stabbed. And now, let's get to the show. Peace, we're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowa Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. Extremely Sage with the Side of Grouse. That's right. Uh, incredibly sage. Like, just, with a side of grouse. Yeah, you know, he only grouses when people don't listen to his sagery. Um, That's right. Which is uh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, welcome to another episode of the Anarchist Bible Study. Episode of Preambling, where we talk about life, the world, everything, and uh, and mostly my Twitter feed. But... Uh, that, that, is, that is true. <clears throat> well, but you know, what? No, let's do this first. Okay, we got we got a lot of things to get into, but let's do the the just so that we we make sure we connect your AKA as opposed to <laughs> last week where we didn't quite get to connecting your AKA. I think was it last week or was it maybe a, a couple weeks ago? <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> so we uh, there was a uh, a um. <laughs> A Twitter uh, post that uh, uh, what was shared here. Let me let me pull up the. Oh, and I gotta also gotta make sure that one of us. I'm not gonna say whom did not put on. Do not disturb. Oh shoot! It was me, wasn't it? That's why your your phone is vibrating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. On on uh on Twitter there was a and I'm gonna I'm gonna putter around while I um while I pull this up. Um but there was a, a Twitter thread. Oh my gosh. Here's okay. <laughs> I can't find it. Okay. Um there was a uh a a a Twitter post. Uh, I of, did what I never do and warned Iowancap what my AKA was, or vaguely what my AKA was going to be, so that he could be ready. Yes, I just want to. I just want to let you know. I cannot, <laughs> cannot. So, so Man, okay. I just want you to know that, here's, that both of these technical errors were not my fault. Here's what nobody can see. Here's what nobody can can possibly know or see is that normal. So I've got a three monitor setup. This is how I do the show. I've got three monitors set up. I've got my main monitor where I, I, I monitor the stream. I monitor the, the, uh, the, the, the chat. And then I've got this screen, which is where I, you'll notice whenever I go to this screen for Bible or anything, I'm looking over here because that's where I put my things I'm going to pull up. And then I put my Zoom on this screen over here. Well, here's the problem I have right now. So I had a little boy get into my room. <laughs> And caused havoc, which resulted in that screen having a giant crack in it. And so I'm trying to work around the cracks to find things. And so I'm like, I think this is about where it is. I can't 
find it with my mouse, and so it's and, and it's and that's why things are literally help. falling through the cracks. Yeah, I can't. I can't possibly help but boomer it. Uh, so until I find a, until I get a new monitor over here that isn't warped and cracked, uh, I'm 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 stuck just looking at Jeff's face there through my OBS. Oh boy. Anyway, that's more. What'd you say? I said a punishment that no one should have to endure. <laughs> it's Stop true. Uh, but anyway, a post on Twitter, uh, a, a clip from the show Yellowstone, which I've never watched the show. Um, Patrick says it's he's watching it and he likes it. Um, not Well, actually, he didn't say he likes it. He's bit. just saying he's watching it. What? What was that? It's very Western. Uh, very very uh could could easily be taking place in alberta were it not for the name okay that sounds good i i don't but um i found this really this clip really good and and it's posted from i don't know who this person is acc national american conservative coalition okay um it said uh i found it says something oh, about well, the conservative environmental movement that makes sense then why he shared this? I just, I just, yeah. just saw that. So this uh, the, showing the hypocrisy of some environmentalists, and I thought it was actually a really good clip. But most importantly, is the subject of the clip. This is why it's so important uh, to Jeff. So here we go. I'll, I'll let me play the video. Man, I tell you what, Viacom did not like that we shared a clip from their show. Our bad. If you want to see it, the link is in the description. Oh, and also, intellectual property is a scam. Google Stefan Kinsella. Now back to the show. I okay, <laughs> okay. It's a perfect example, as they say, of of the environmentalist hypocrisy. Like that he's able to pull apart the argument just by so easily. Um, but uh, two important things for about this cup. For one thing, um, I checked with my friend who is, uh, in fact, an expert on the Sage Grouse. Um, Jeff, does this check out? <laughs> yes. I, I, I believe that Sage Grouse do, in fact, need sagebrush. So okay. this is a callback to a previous episode where, where I talked about how the federal government, the federal government in Canada will prevent, <laughs> uh, will prevent you from raising cattle on protected Sage Grouse land even though the sage grouse do, along with needing sagebrush, they also need the natural breaks in the sagebrush that cattle and and uh, have have oh, always provided. Um, can you hear me? No, it's fine. I, I actually is the visual. Go on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, so. So, uh, so yes. So I, I respond on Twitter that yes, sage grouse do both need sagebrush breaks in the sagebrush that have always been provided by large bovines. Um, uh, both of those are necessary for the flourishing of, of the sage grouse. So, so yes, uh, this was a callback to an actual federal government policy I don't know if it's still going on. I just, uh, I, I had 
a farmer complained to me about it years ago. And I don't know if I, I assume, I assume it's still, it's still true, but maybe it's not, maybe they fixed it, but, um, <laughs> but, um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it, it is, um, it is outrageous. Just the, um, it, and that, that's so true of every kind of bureaucrat. Well, we don't have a study that says, um, <laughs> Those, <laughs> thank you, Patrick. Yeah. Patrick <laughs> says, uh, no, uh, he, um, no, the problem wasn't I couldn't hear you. The problem was I could see you. Burn, Josh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. What happened? That's the that little hiccup. Anyway, go on, go on. If you're watching, you know what happened. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yes, it is. Um, uh, that's 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 classic. Every kind of bureaucrat. That well, I don't have a study that says that teen moms won't go to a school that someone got stabbed at. Um, I, um, that's one of the really frustrating for me working in education policy. That's one of the really, that is one of the consistent frustrating things about education policy is education policy makers, education policy researchers, um, completely, I guess, because they can't really quantify it, um, completely have disdain for safety arguments about schools. And it's, it's one, of the, one of the biggest gaps between, because there's a lot of stuff that the research actually says that parents actually know intuitively. Uh, and I, I'm amazed at how much it matches up. And, and, and so it's my job just to communicate that and, and, um, and help make sure that, that, that the best research and parental uh, preferences guide policy. But one of the places where they do not match at all is on safety uh, questions. Yeah, that that example that example about uh, sending teen moms to murder schools was just was just off the top of my head. Creative. We'll be coming back to that shortly. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, it, it's but that's that's. The, that's a classic bureaucratic thing, um, where just wisdom, <laughs> just just the kind of things that you would know from raising cattle, the kinds yeah. of thing that, things that you would know from raising children, from from living in the world. Um, that that kind of knowledge is is almost inaccessible <laughs> um, to a lot of bureaucrats. Um, and, and, and there has to be, there has to be a study or it has to be, um, it has to be something that people picked on, on their survey that they designed explicitly to get the answer they wanted um, <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever. Right. I, I but but what's interesting is another thing and I said and I, I made this in a comment after the video was this is also a perfect example of inductive versus deductive reasoning. Like Oh, uh, I missed that one. Uh yeah, yeah the, the, the this this environmental guy 
He's like, there's no evidence that solar panels affect, like, that. he keeps going back to there's no evidence. No one's, like you say, no one's done a study, but he's like, like, what do you need to do a study for? I just explained to you, logically, why this is a dumb idea. Yeah, but there hasn't been a study. <laughs> like, that's, this is also the way that, like, um, it's so funny, like, you've got, like, that's where, um, this this is an economic point. The, the what makes the Austrian economics different than uh, and and I say better than the Chicago School of Economics. Both are good free are free market. Both do good work. But what makes Austrian economics better is that they don't have to do the studies. They don't have to wait until the proof of the studies come out. They start with let's just use our heads here. And this is right. something that I I've, I've been hitting really hard with um some of my students is I've been like like Here's the deal. Every step of the way, you are going to be, um, everyone's going to try and prove to you. And I, this is an apologetic point because they use this as an argument against God. And this, and I just kind of was like, again and again, you are going to be told that inductive reasoning is better. No one's ever going to say those words, but they're going to try and tell you that you, that, that what can be studied, uh, classified, quantified, uh, and that that is the way that you come to truth. But then I I would just like for one thing, just taking the scientific method and being like, do you see how much of this presupposes deductive reasoning? And so if you're going at this without any ability to say A and B, therefore C, like if you don't have that ability to to to, to carefully work through an argument, then you're going to end up sounding like this idiot who is like, there's, but I'm telling you, there's no evidence. You don't need evidence. It's basic logic. Right. But which, that's how, which yeah. is why <laughs> one of the most common pieces of feedback I hear from parents when I start to get in to the research is they needed a study for that. <laughs> and, and the answer is yes. Yes, unfortunately, they did, because because the the fad right now. So just just like just like the fad right now is to is to just do a bunch of things that are vaguely involving numerals, and your kid is going to magically know math. Um, that's that's a little bit straw manny, but well, <clears throat> permit me. Permit me the exaggeration. Um, just like yeah. that's just like that's the fad right now. The fad with policymakers is so-called evidence-based policymaking, which is often policy-based evidence making. Yeah. Um, where, <laughs> um, where they uh, they know how to get the answer they want, the policy they want to do. And, and they're not being rigorous because they're not rigorous thinkers because they're not learning logic and they're not um, and, and they're and they're not being pressed by the elected officials to give them a better argument. So, yeah, anyway, <clears throat> the big thing is, I'm just not convinced that anyone that you need 12 years of science. I'm just not convinced that you need 12 years of, of inductive reasoning, but it is interesting that we will, we will teach our kids 12 years of inductive reasoning. And then 
Not a single year of deductive reasoning. I mean, <laughs> technically, math is deductive reasoning. At at kind of. If you if you do it right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it could. But even that, yeah. Like like the the new math is really about turning deductive math into inductive math. Right. You know that's that's what number sense is like being able to observe real numbers and that's that's. Yeah, like, no one has ever taught deductive reasoning, and so we're shocked to find out that all the kids are stupid. Well, you never taught them the baseline, basics of <clears throat> of, of how to well, think through a problem. And that's why it's so galling <clears throat> that the objection to a, a knowledge-rich curriculum, that's the term of art in, in uh, education policymaking, is a, a knowledge-rich curriculum. The objection is, well, we should teach critical thinking instead. Two problems. One, you're not. You're not teaching critical thinking. You're not. If, 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 if you wanted to teach critical thinking, starting with logic and rhetoric and, <laughs> and does this start to sound like something? Uh, huh. Maybe. maybe Maybe throw maybe grammar actually, in there. You got maybe me. grammar. You got you a yeah, deal. maybe grammar first, and then logic, and then although grammar grammar is uh, knowledge rich. Um, hey, so be careful. At some point, you're going to start calling theology the queen of the sciences. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, but the uh, so so the first first problem with critical thinking instruction is. It ain't, but the second, the, the second problem is you need, you need knowledge to work on critical thinking. You can't, you can't talk about why World War One happened without knowing when World War One happened. Yeah. Yeah. Who? was involved in World War One. The without without knowing some geography, without knowing some history, without having had a knowledge rich environment to begin to give you because other otherwise um uh otherwise you're just you're just exercising against air. <laughs> you're 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 learning you're learning critical thinking without content that could actually drive that critical thinking that could actually, that could actually give, give form to the critical thing you could you toward the right answer. And 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 so then, um, people who the people who I mean, if they're if they're if they're really good at that kind of education system, then they go to law school and they and they go practice sophistry for a living, um, and and uh, warp warp the law and warp and then and then God forbid. Sometimes they run for office and start writing laws. 
Um, and uh, but then if they're if they're marginally if they're a B student in that kind of system, then they end up being some edubot in in the uh, edubocracy, um, or they uh, they they end up being a policy analyst for uh, uh, for some garbage think tank or or working for the government um, in in one of those ways so it's so we're we're seeing the effects of the rotten education system in how we're governed yeah and and yes of course I think I think that the kind of people who cannot intuitively understand that only the laptop class would be able to maintain more than 15 days of flattening the curve and that and that therefore if you go anywhere past that you are simply practicing focus protection of the rich and the white and the and the educated um rather than of the most vulnerable. Um, the kind of people who can't intuitively get there by understanding how humans work mm-hmm. are then the ones making pot. And they're the really smart ones. They're working at the National Institute. They're working, they're working at the FDA. They're health experts working for the government uh, and uh, and but but because because all too often what they were good at was not the kind of thing that actually produces strong critical thinkers we get the last three years I mean, it's Okay, <clears throat> for one thing, when you put inductive people ahead of a deductive science or a deductive realm, um, this is what you get: fifteen days to cl- flatten the curve. Well, I mean, like you know, scientifically, blah, 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 like, but you're not using your head. You're not using logic. You're not using deductive reasoning. You're not thinking about the fact that none of this happens in a bubble. That, that, um, and, and so there, there's no deductive reasoning involved, um. They're they're not thinking beyond a simple one thing in front of their face, and and you know that's 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 the problem with people who only know how to work with microscopes. But I would say I'll go even further to say that even the if people only who work there were with a micros- macroscope that we yeah. could make them look. <laughs> if only that, but I would say that that not only that, but people who look through microscopes also need to know deductive reasoning, because yes. if nothing else, I'm like, don't don't forget, like. Don't forget it all starts with a hypothesis. And without a strong deductive reasoning, a hypothesis is just as easy. Like, like you can make up anything as a hypothesis. And, 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 and really, the, the worst hypotheses are the ones who are almost right. Because if they're just, like, just diff- wrong enough <clears throat> that they can still make sense of the data... Then we could be heading down a wrong trajectory, um, 
based on what appears to be sound science. But, but like, an, a, 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 an inductive scientist with deductive reasoning could also have predicted something else going on. Like, here's, we're, we're living in a world where we're getting hit by all kinds of non-COVID diseases. And we're getting hit harder than we have for a long, long time. And, and no one seems to put together the fact that, well, yeah, that's because we just spent the last two years trying not to get sick at all. Right. You know, and like, th like there is a point, like the truth is, first of all, they also might know this if they believed in a designer. But it's, but you, if you could look beyond this one disease, you would know that like, we are designed to get sick a little. Like that's that's part of what makes our bodies work. Is getting a little bit sick helps us to develop a stronger immune system so that when the stronger viruses come through, we have a, a, a an, an, an immunity built up that our body's ready to go to war with it. And so when we spend a, a, two years dedicated entirely to not getting sick at all, and then when we get out in the world, and then we're like, oh yeah, I forgot that the flu and the normal uh, cold were a thing, and then we get laid out by it. At least that's been my experience, especially this last week, that I've been, we've been laid out by these viruses that we normally could get over in 24 hours. Well, is it any surprise? Our immune systems are are so weakened by the fact that we spent so long lathering ourselves in antibacterial uh, soap and in, in covering our mouths and avoiding people. You know? I don't know. I just... <clears throat> it, it, maybe uh, we're supposed to get sick a little. I don't know. But anyway, um, you were saying something about a murder school? Yeah. Remember, this was the short thing that we were going to do uh, uh, about the, the <laughs> short little Sage Girls clip. It's going to be fun. In and out, five minutes. No one has to know. Um, okay. It's uh, um, Anyway, we, we, we did our thing. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, yes, I was saying about a murder school. So, I no longer make predictions. Um, uh, ever since 2015, I don't make predictions. Um, but had I been making a prediction last week when I said it really seems like they're just gonna try to uh, try to just push this through and and just not stop and 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 just hope people forget. Um, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely what happened, uh, on Tuesday. Um, uh, sorry for those who have it, there's an, in Calgary, there's a, um, if, if you missed, uh, last week, uh, in Calgary, there's a, a school for teen moms that exactly two weeks before they took the vote, um, about moving the school for teen moms into um a high school in a 
roughish part of town, um, there was a student stabbed in the high school that they were suggesting to move the team moms into. Um, and so, so this, this resulted in, uh, your friendly neighborhood podcaster, um, doing a lot of media, um, because we were the only group that was saying that the school wasn't safe and that this was a bad idea really. Um, and uh, there's a, there was a group of um, alumni and current students of the school who was doing the same thing. And, and we tried to direct a lot, lot of coverage to them as well. But as far as a, a group established for something, um, for, for something before all this, uh, <laughs> um, we, were the, uh, we were the only ones really saying that. So that, that um, um, that led to um, uh, a lot of media coverage, and we talked about that last week. I said, it looks like they're just going to try to ram it through. And, and boy, they sure did. Um, I was actually a little surprised that I got one <laughs> uh, out of the seven trustees um, to, to vote not to relocate the school. Um, uh, because because of how much they just circled the wagons and and tried to push through, um, and uh, so one other thing I mentioned last week was that there was a certain trustee who seemed to not be able to read their own financial documents and was objecting to my having said that the Calgary Board of Education um, had, had $40 million in just in capital reserves to spend only on repairs and building projects and, and stuff like this. And so she asked administration directly, um, do, do we actually have $40 million in reserves? Um, and Administration said, well, as you can see from the financial update that you voted on earlier in this meeting, you actually have $49.88 million in, in reserves. Of course, they were projecting that their reserves would have gone down by now. Instead, they've gone up by almost $10 million. Um, so in other words, they're doing fine. They should... <laughs> um, they should actually stop being penny wise and pound stupid and spend uh, this money on what it's intended to be spent for. It's, um, it's, it's not, it's not like a private business where you can, uh, where, where you can benefit your customers or benefit your shareholders in other ways. If you're, if, if you're thrifty, you, you stole this money from people. <laughs> like you violently extracted this money from people, and yet, and yet won't spend it on the purpose for which you violently extracted it. This is, um, so, uh, so anyway, um, so yes, she sure showed me. Um, it wasn't forty million after all. It was forty nine point eight eight million. Uh, actually climbing rather than falling uh, 
amount of uh, uh, amount of capital reserves. So anyway, yeah. foolish that, Jeff, you thought it was only forty million. <laughs> I actually knew it was forty-one something smallish, um, but I I rounded down just because I didn't think it really mattered to say forty-one whatever. That sounded um, it just more likely to lose people. Um, uh, and, uh, and so, and, and, and people might misremember that I'd said 1 million or whatever. So I just round down 40 million easy enough. Um, and, uh, but now it's almost $50 million. (laughs) So, um, so anyway, and, and, and so she did get administration of course, to, to help her out and, and be like, well, if we, and I'm not even kidding, they said, um, you know, for, for all of the deferred maintenance that we, that we have on the docket and, and for, for all the other priorities you've set for how to spend this money. And if we were to, uh, if we were to, uh, green all of our school if we were to really start greening all of our schools and 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 so so if we were to take on a ton of other priorities then we would only have 10 or 15 million dollars left left in reserve (laughs) and as yeah yes it is true that if you spend the money on everything else, you will have a lot less of it. It is, that is, again, glad we have people of such wisdom helping make these decisions. <sighs> I, I don't know that I have a side deep enough to handle that whole situation. <laughs> so uh, I, sh- I should say we're not, we're not done. Um, we're now we're now just asking the provincial government to step in and and say, okay, Calgary Board of Education clearly doesn't want to run this program anymore. Like they had a bunch of girls tell them that they would drop out if they did this, and they did it anyway. Clearly, just don't want to run this program anymore. So. Independent schools, which is what we call private schools, independent schools, charter schools. Um, uh, why don't why don't you guys <laughs> uh, why don't you guys give us a plan for how you would run this program? Um, <coughs> and so, so that's what we're calling on the uh, uh, the province to do to step in and uh, uh, to to step in and make this. Um, uh, just, just really make this make sense. Like, um, and, um, and, and look, yes, that, that actually means that the Calgary Board of Education is going to end with more capital reserves because they were at least going to spend some of them on moving the school. Um, and, and, uh, but, but you know what? Like, as that is, 
um, that they that they get to end up with more of their precious capital reserves. Um, if if we offload this program from them, it's much more important that those forty six mothers um, aren't forced to go to a a dangerous school. They were also very salty about um, the school being called dangerous uh, because after all, um, the kids are very polite. Um, the uh, Please, sir, uh, the, may I stab you again? The, the teacher, the teachers work hard. Um, it is so, it's like, so they, by the way, they talked about this for five hours, never once mentioned the stabbing, but did mention how upset they were um, by people implying that the school was dangerous. It's like, yeah, I wonder why people would imply that the school was dangerous. Excuse um, me, sir. May I get around you? You are standing in the way of the person I was intending to stab. Yes. Um, they also, sorry, one, one last. The help, <coughs> they actually, one of them asked administration, did anyone raise any issues with Calgary Transit? Because a lot of the girls aren't going to be able to take a bus to the school there uh, and, and never have. A lot of them have always taken just the public transit um, to, to get to the school. So, 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 so they ask, did anyone raise any issues with uh, public transit? And the educrats, I kid you not, just went on and on about bus timetables and, and stuff like that and how we'll try to work with our partner in Calgary Transit when the answer is yes. Lots of people have complained that people are getting stabbed and chased yeah. with hatchets. Be because the problem people had with the bus train with the with the public transit was the timetables. That's what the problem was. Not the people with knives. Yeah. So so the uh, <laughs> um so 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 the closest the closest train stop to the school, the, 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 the train stop that they would have to use to hop on a bus uh, to get to the school <coughs> in the two week, in the same two weeks since the stabbing, um, there was a, a woman chased off the platform with a hatchet. Uh, and there was some bizarre spaghetti Western showdown um, with, I think I did talk about this last time with, uh, um, a guy with a knife, a guy with a pipe and a guy with a flare gun, um, flare gun one, by the way, um, as far as I can tell. Um, and so, uh, so yes, of course, this is the problem that people <laughs> brought up with public transit uh, it's it's it was it was it was so insane but again this is where they were pretending because they said that the times would be better for these girls because a lot of them are from these neighborhoods to which a lot of the girls had said yes we are from these neighborhoods and our bullies go to the school and we would like to not pretty pretty simple um but okay this one i'm actually done one of the trustees actually said um that that 
they're going to be so much better off going to this school because because of the the lower transit times um they'll they'll get more sleep and sleep deprivation i kid you not this was her argument sleep deprivation is a form of torture and so so as opposed to knives as opposed to knives yes and i don't know i think i think if you commissioned the right study you could find out that experiencing violence, bullying, and harassment in school could affect your sleep. I bet, I bet if you commission the right study, you could determine that. What a world. All right, I, I, I'm actually done now. I can't, I can't keep going because I could, I could, <clears throat> I could almost recite the entire five hour <laughs> uh, meeting, which ain't nobody got time for that. Um, you know, but yeah. Honestly, this whole situation makes me so angry that, like, I kind of wish that there was a way to leave. Speaking of leaving, uh, your, wasn't your there? Segues today. <laughs> your segues today have been on point. Um, so, so no, you are wrong because this was the Alberta Sovereignty in a United Canada Act. Oh, okay, all right, okay. It, it's totally, totally not about leaving, y'all. Totally, one hundred percent. Has nothing to do with leaving the country. <laughs> we would never dream of such a thing. <laughs> so, so you know, coming up with a coming up with a system to determine which federal laws actually apply in our province, and coming up coming up with our own pension plan, and coming up with our own police force, and none of these have anything to do with with the with the potential that. Uh, because we uh, intend we to might... stay. Yeah, yeah. It's it, because you know, <laughs> it's I, I, a more united Canada. That's that's <laughs> that's the goal here. Um, no, 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 honey, you don't understand. The second bank account is because I'm more dedicated to our marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, although, actually. Um, we're just going out for milk and smokes. We'll be right back. Patrick said in the chat. <laughs> yeah. The, the Alberta, we're just going out for a pack of cigarettes act. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, the, um, uh, so yes, that act was, uh, oh, I was just going to point out that, um, uh, if it weren't for that word within, um, it might actually be accurate because, because, uh, Canada, I think would be significantly more united without Alberta in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all these places that hate Alberta can be united in that and no longer have to deal with. Alberta, which doesn't hate Alberta. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so yeah, Sovereignty Act was, was tabled and the, the name, so I think I might've mentioned that I wasn't too worried that I heard through the grapevine that, that someone I trusted had gotten a look at, a, a member of the legislative assembly that I trusted had gotten a look at it and, 
and had liked it. And so that I, I wasn't all that worried. Um, but I, I think I mentioned, but, but the name change just seems like maybe we're getting set up for a, uh, another betrayal here. Um, but, uh, um, but uh, so it was. It was tabled also on Tuesday, and and so so now we can read it. And boy, howdy, did they not dial back what's actually in the act? It is exactly what we would have hoped. It's exactly the 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 version of the the so so not. We're going to ignore federal court orders, not, 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 not the version that I think some people hope to see, but the version, uh, the version that the think tank I worked for was saying, this is, this is what you can actually do. It would actually be meaningful, and it would survive constitutional muster, and it would, and 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 you'd, uh, and you'd actually be delivering on what you promised um in a in a pretty maximal way but without the constitutional hurdle hurdles that might have come up elsewhere um and we basically got that version of the bill the the one um the one issue that i think some people of good faith have had with it but a lot more people of not good faith have had with it is that it gives it gives pretty broad powers to the cabinet to change things about how um, um, about how they will interpret federal law and how federal law will or will not be carried out um, after being authorized by the legislature so basically the legislature gives to gets to give a rubber stamp and then the cabinet has pretty broad powers um to determine what that actually looks like and there's there's a sense in which the kind of flexibility that that offers is good it's the kind of thing you want you want you want to be able to make make regulation nimbly and and that kind of thing but it's also um and it's not like this is the first, the first law that's ever had something like that 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 gives broad powers to cabinet. Um, well, first of all, the Public Health Act um, that was passed at the beginning of the pandemic um, certainly uh, certainly gave extremely broad powers to cabinet and the chief medical officer um, without without any oversight from any oversight from not not even a not even a rubber stamp um other than the passage of the law itself um from the legislature so and and there's all kinds of environmental regulations and and taxes and all kinds of things federally and provincially that work this way so it's not like it's but it's not like it's that odd but because because people are just desperate for this thing to be unconstitutional um top men the smartest people lit their hair on fire <laughs> over the thing and 
and were literally to the point that they they took a section that said nothing in this act shall be construed to and then had a few bullet points and they took one of the bullet points out of that section and said look at these broad powers they are giving them it's like <laughs> read a little further up you 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 have failed you have missed like professional political scientists uh and all kinds of journalists were were making this mistake maybe it, I, I mean it probably was genuinely a mistake just in the sense that they they really don't know how to read a bill like they really just don't know how to read a bill and that's that's the problem but um uh but but yeah so there was a whole um there there was a whole immolation of hair um over over this whole thing and um which which i think gave premier smith a perfect opportunity to look like the reasonable one and just be like of course present your amendments um which the opposition refused to do they said they said no we won't make any amendments it just needs to be voted down well you're the opposition which means by definition you don't have enough votes to vote it down and um and at least so far now in in a westminster style and i don't know if this if if there's a, a similar thing uh, in the U.S. Congress or something, but in a Westminster style system, typically the first reading of a bill, which just lets it go to committee to get worked on, uh, a lot of people will. A lot of times it's unanimous. Um, a lot of times they don't even take a recorded vote <clears throat> on the first reading. It, it's just it's just pro forma. Yep, send it to committee. We'll we'll actually argue about it when it comes back. Um, and uh, and of course, in this case, the the opposition um, made a big deal of not uh, voting for the first reading, um, and so it might not. But so this means it might not mean anything. But all of the leadership race opponents who said that they would vote against the Sovereignty Act voted for at least the first reading of the Sovereignty Act. Um, uh, the people who did not vote for it were uh, Jason Kinney, who instead ran in, ran in front of a TV camera and resigned while while it was being tabled, while this vote was happening. So he timed his resignation. Hold on, what? So he was he resigned from his seat as a member of the Legislative Assembly. So he wasn't the leader anymore already, but he, but he's still a member of the legislative assembly. So he's still a, yeah, he's still a legislator. He resigned his seat as a legislator while they were tabling. Wasn't he like dedicated to being a backbencher and a faithful representing yep. his? That's what he said. And he, he explicitly said that he would be there to vote against this thing. Um, and, and so like so many things, I guess it's a bit of a Rorschach test because some people said, oh no, this was even more, this was even more 
stalwart against this is uh, that he's that uh, instead of just voting against the Sovereignty Act, he's resigning. And it's like, all right, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's doing less than what he said he would do, but <clears throat> but I I guess I guess I'm not that interested in arguing that point. <laughs> but uh, Ding dong, the witch is dead. That's all I can say. Yeah, so he's finally done, so we're going to be having... Let's see if he has um, the good sense to stay gone. Yeah, I I don't trust that. Um, but uh, but so we'll be we'll be seeing a um, a new MLA from uh, from that part of Calgary. That might be um, that might be interesting um, down there because that's that's an area of the city that really likes Jason Kinney, as you might imagine. They've elected him a few times. Um, or uh, I guess they've only elected him once. Um, maybe maybe a handful of them overlapped with his federal writing, so elected him as a Fed. But uh, as, a, as a provincial politician, he's only been elected once. Um, but anyway, this is a part of the city that likes him. Um, and so it'll be interesting because I think... I think the province generally wants to move past the Jason Kenny of it all and doesn't want, but, but it'll be interesting in that, in that writing. If, if like support of Jason Kenny becomes an issue in the election and, and like where support of Jason Kenny, unlike in most places might actually be a beneficial um, attribute to hold. Um, so, so that might be, um that might be really interesting um because uh like i think most i think <coughs> i think most conservatives especially and it will be um it will be conservative party members who decide who represents that riding i don't i do not believe that riding is going to be competitive in the general <laughs> so mm. so Between one and four thousand conservative party members are going to decide <laughs> um, who actually represents that riding, um, and, um, and I think if you're still a member of the party, if you're still showing up to vote, I think there is a give the current leader of our party a chance and let her do her thing and. Let Let's stop being babies about it. I think there's definitely that. I think I'd end up with. Um, well, yeah, I, it's it's super interesting. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be someone who supported Jason Kinney but is willing to now support Daniel Smith, um, or, or. Uh, that seem that seems like maybe the most natural outcome there is is um, that you would end up with someone like that in that writing. But that's that's going to be super interesting because um, there will be sort of a referendum, one more referendum on Jason Kinney, <laughs> uh, presumably because presumably the candidates will stake out positions. I, I just 
I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it's possible for that to not be an issue in that right. Uh, every, everywhere else, maybe he doesn't matter much anymore, but, but because they voted for the guy, <laughs> they liked the guy. He was there in LA. He went, he, he's the one they went to when they, um, when, um, when they had a, a provincial issue they needed resolved at, at, you know, like he wasn't there. They went to his office and his staff helped them resolve their provincial issues, you know? And so uh, just, just with like, um, uh, you know, the, the, the simple things like, like, Hey, I was supposed to be getting this provincial scholarship applied to my account to go to university and it's not actually applying Can someone make that happen or whatever, right? Like that kind of thing. It's so simple, nonpartisan things. And, and it does, it does make the people kind of like you more when you help them with tangible issues like that. And so, um, so anyway, um, uh, it will be, it will be interesting. We're probably going to get one more round of recriminations about Jason Kinney, but I think, as I've talked through it, I think, I think it's probably going to be, I supported Jason Kinney. I think he was a good leader, but I think Danielle Smith is a good leader and we need to move forward under her, her leadership. Um, I think that's probably the winning message <laughs> um, because I don't think people want to look back and, and I don't think people want to elect an MLA who's just going to make trouble for the current leader. Um so anyway, that'll, um, that'll be interesting, but, um, anyway, so one last thing on the, uh, sovereignty act. So, so looks like it's going to pass without amendments and it's, it's not the, it's not the end of the world. I'm not, I would, I personally would prefer the entire legislature to have a little more influence and control of this process. One of the things I like about it is that you're bringing federal laws to the legislature rather than just let cabinet decide. But the status quo was cabinet could have already directed police not to enforce federal laws. Um, that, that was already, that was already a possibility. It would have just been, the premier's office or the cabinet before. So having the legislature vote on it and then delegate some pretty significant powers to the cabinet to hash out exactly how it works. That's not the end of the world, in my opinion. Um, uh, again, I would prefer, I would prefer the entire legislature to be a little more front and center. Um, but uh, that's not the end of the world. But yeah, because the opposition isn't offering any amendments, and I don't think I don't think conservatives are going to offer amendments. Um, I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna sail through as is. Um, we've gotten several constitutional lawyers write their opinions that I've read through it, and it's 
it's constitutional. It, um, it's it's going to be fine. So I don't think I think it I think it would be very difficult for even a federal court. And here's one of the problems with letting the federal courts be the ultimate decider on on uh, whether something is constitutional or not is they have skin in the game. They're feds. Um, they were appointed by the prime minister for crying out loud. Um, so, um, so, but I think it'll, I think it will be difficult for them to find something to call it unconstitutional over. And for non-Canadians, I should point out that we, we do have an option in our system that if the courts say this thing you want to do is unconstitutional, we have something called the notwithstanding clause where, uh, where a province can invoke notwithstanding your decision that this is unconstitutional, we're going to do it anyway. And you just have to renew your notwithstanding every five years. Um, so that's, that's the only requirement for that is, is that it's going to come back. I think it's five. Um, it might be 10. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's five um, every five years. Well, I think it is five because traditionally in a Westminster system, five years is the cycle. We, we've only moved to a four-year cycle because of proximity to the United States and your four-year cycles. Uh, traditionally, under, uh, yeah. <laughs> traditionally under a Westminster system, it would be, it would be five years. So I think that is the, uh, I think that is the rule in the Constitution. Um, Figures. I don't think it's two of those cycles. I think it's Metric. every every new legislature, basically, they're saying, um, would need to renew the uh, the notwithstanding clause. But but Quebec has like thirty of these that that all parties and Quebec has a confusing gaggle of parties um, that all parties, no matter what, are going to just renew all these notwithstanding um bills and uh but uh, just on the principle that ottawa doesn't get to tell them what to do and so there's there there's no reason um no reason that alberta couldn't do the same thing although obviously currently the other major political party would not um renew the, renew the notwithstanding were they to uh were they to be in charge in in their current in their current iteration um but um give it a few years let it get used let it become popular and i wonder if they'll change their tune um after all the current opposition party is not naturally the biggest fans of pipelines but they knew they needed to be for pipelines to run in alberta so <laughs> um so uh i they might <clears throat> this might just be another thing like okay ideologically we're centralists but but uh we'll chalk this up to have to win in alberta um and i wonder if it'll if they'll come around but um um so um yeah well so patrick mentions um uh, Quebec confusing, not with the nation state with two languages forced upon everyone, everything, except that's one of the things that Quebec uses the notwithstanding clause on English. Needing to use English in Quebec 
is one of the things that they've uh, so so the so the rights the the constitutional rights of English speakers in Quebec. I can't remember the exact laws that they've um, that they've passed that the the courts have said are out of keeping with the the rights of Anglophones, but um, uh, but there are a few uh, or at least there 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 is a set of laws um, uh, that I know they have used the notwithstanding clause on to uh, override the rights of English speakers, uh, the constitutional rights of English speakers to to for the for Quebec to be able to do what they want. Another thing they did was they used the notwithstanding clause on and I, this is weird. I didn't it wasn't a Supreme Court decision. They used the notwithstanding clause on the elimination of the long gun registry. So in the rest of Canada, the long gun registry was just eliminated because it was stupid and expensive and didn't accomplish anything. Um, and and Quebec still has it. Um, and and so so they they use the notwithstanding clause on the elimination of a federal government program, which I didn't even know you could do. Um, but whatever. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they've got, they've got a lot of those sorts of things, um, going on. Alberta, Alberta hasn't really asserted itself that way all that much. Oh, basically, um, there, there are probably things here and there, but basically, uh, well, I think Manitoba did, um, they got rid of their Catholic schools and the court said that that was unconstitutional. And they said, well, we'll do it anyway. Um, uh, so I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Manitoba's got that, but then, but yeah, there, there, um, but for the most part, it's, it's Quebec that uses that now, but in principle, in principle, that would be an option, even if the courts were to rule against, um, uh, the Alberta Sovereignty Act. So, um, so. Anyway, it's um, looks looks like it might sail through. Last thing on it is that so there was a a protest against the Alberta Sovereignty Act at the legislature today. Uh, well, yesterday now, uh, but today when when we started the shindig, um, and and they um, uh, and so they. Uh, so sorry, the protest was by the, uh, the unions. So like the Alberta Federation of Labor, the, the union over top of all the unions, including the Alberta Teachers Association, um, they, they wanted to have this rally, um, against the Alberta Sovereignty Act. And it was a nice day. It, uh, it, it, it's been, it's been outrageously cold um in alberta for the for the last couple of weeks it got really nice today and i got 20 people at their rally protesting against the sovereignty act which meant they were outnumbered about five to one by counter protesters and the counter protest wasn't even that big of a deal either but it's not actually that hard to find a hundred people who want the thing and came out to counter protest them. Um, and so 
<coughs> the head of the Alberta Federation of Labor, Gil McGowan, who has, um, who is, uh, uh, who has once said that, um, uh, that uh, passing a a minor improvement to Alberta's charter school law was going to lead to uh, religious nut jobs uh, indoctrinating kids in in their uh, uh, in their charter schools. Um, he says, despite the fact that it is illegal for charter schools to teach religion in Alberta. That shouldn't be the law, but it is uh, <laughs> the law. So, uh, so he's um, uh, so he's uh, not not exactly the brightest bulb. Anyway, um, so he uh, he made his little speech to his twenty people, um, and and as he was leaving um he got called a communist by the counter protesters and and he uh uh and he's he started yelling and swearing and flipping them off and and just going nuts um and he actually uh um in in uh trying trying to sort of throw his weight around, he actually hit a reporter with a flagpole. And then when the reporter, when the reporter was like, uh, was like, I'm a reporter for the Western Standard. The Western Standard is an independent, um, independent media that I've talked about it before, I think, because it, it, it tends toward, it tends toward autonomy, separation, toward toward the toward the Alberta nationalism side of things um, and uh, um, and so and so Gill said after he hit this reporter with his flagpole he said you're not a reporter you're a right-wing propagandist <laughs> and it's like oh okay so I guess it's okay to hit right-wing propagandists with your flagpole um, I guess that makes it better um, and 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 cursed out the reporter as well. All on film, by the way, because of course it was. He's a reporter. Obviously, he's filming. Um, and uh, and he knew, Gil knew he was being filmed, and uh, uh, but did not have the uh, the self restraint to not do this. So what makes this? So not only is he the head of all the labor unions in Alberta, um, but. Uh, but that means he also has an automatic seat on the executive of the New Democratic Party because the New Democrats are a labor party. So they give they give automatic seats on their executives to on their executive to labor union leaders. So Gill is actually automatically on the executive of the opposition political party. So it's it's really interesting to um to watch because like obviously um someone 
a a a normal member of a executive of, of a political party, if they did that, they would immediately have to resign from the executive of the, of the political party. I'm not sure Gill actually can without resigning from his job entirely because the the NDP constitution actually gives him that seat automatically. So anyway, it's going to put, it's, I think, so this just happened today, so we'll we'll see, but I think it's going to put the NDP in a, in a very awkward position because they've got a member of their provincial executive um, clearly unhinged and, 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 uh, um, and, um, getting in people's face, um, at least, at least not caring. Maybe he didn't intentionally hit someone with a flagpole, but not caring if he did hit someone with a flagpole. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and cursing out and flipping, uh, flipping out peaceful protesters on camera. Um, so it might might lead to an interesting situation over the next over the next few days. Uh, uh, he 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 was obviously just so frustrated at the abject failure of his. Um, and one of one of one of the guys who works for him. Uh, took a picture of the backs of the counter protesters to try to claim that it was the people who came to their protest. And it, it's like, uh, one big problem with that, Chief, like half of them are carrying Alberta flags, which is not exactly the symbol <laughs> that <laughs> that you guys were, go- were going with here um, uh, to be anti-sovereignty. So, so anyway, it was... Um, um uh, uh interesting situation um i'm sure it will uh uh i'm sure it will continue uh to get interesting of course i'm not naive enough to think that the left is going to hold themselves to their own standards um that they would use if this was a right wing person who 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 got belligerent because someone called them a fascist right um uh so anyway, I'm not I'm not that naive. I don't think I don't think they they care about their standards. Um, but it is uh, it will it will be interesting interesting to see how they uh, navigate it, I think. Um, because because of the obvious <laughs> uh, double standard. Um, so anyway, okay, that's it. That's it on the Sovereignty Act and its related shenanigans. Well, so yeah, okay. Well, I mean, Sage Grass School Choice Sage Sovereignty grass. Act. This is something else. You said Sage Grass, <laughs> right? Sage Grouse, safe uh, school choice, uh, Sovereignty Act. The three S's yeah. and all of them, things that Jeff has expertise in, especially the sage grouse. So yes, yes, it's a very Jeff episode. Yeah, everything's yeah, coming up Jeff these days. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, don't think I didn't notice. I, I didn't notice when you asked me right away. Um, 
but but don't think I didn't later notice that you cut out the part of preambling where you went on for a long time and made it its own, own episode, meaning that last week's preambling was basically just me talking the entire time um, and uh, making me look like I couldn't shut up. When there was this large section where it was you talking the entire time. I try so hard to get him to stop talking, guys. I try so hard. <laughs> I'm just like stop, yeah. stop, stop talking. But he just he just keeps going, and then there's these like weird bridges and gaps of time where I pass out. And so, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time for us to to move into our um, weekly ta- our our weekly was it uh, state of theology. So let's go to that. Speaking of weekly, that would be your weakest uh, segue so far. Okay, okay, hold, hold, on, hold on, let me back it up. <laughs> you know, we got the three S's. I think we have to go for a four. The statement on theology. The state of theology, you mean? Shoot, blew it. <laughs> I don't care, just go to the thing! <laughs> do it live! <laughs> or as I said, we'll do it technically alive. <laughs> we're we're both struggling a little physically here, if you can't tell. <laughs> to hear the rest of this conversation, tune in to episode 86.5, Soaring Heights and Crashing Lows. But now back to the show. Alright, so now we, we left we left preambling um laughing in a jocular joyous mood and now we look like someone just died and if you want to know why that is you're gonna have to uh watch and or listen to our bonus episode this week uh going through the state of statement uh the state of theology uh 2022 the ligonier state of theology survey um it, it was like a, a we we raised, got to a high, high crested mountain, and then came to a crashing low in the valley. Um, but, but uh, I've been told that this is one of the 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 one of the uh, things that we do that people have been really appreciating is this this state state of theology survey. So you know, if you haven't if you haven't checked it out, you should go check it out. Um, it's been really good. Um, but we need to do something now to get our spirits up, right? So what I think we need is some good old fashioned sage grouse. Oh no, watch this. <laughs> Get back into the sage grouse. That's our that's going to be our standard. We're going to keep coming back to that whenever we need to save the show. Go to the sage grouse. <laughs> um no, The Watcher's Realm, Drosselmeyer, The Watcher's Realm by Paul Thompson. We are going through book 2 of the Nutcracker trilogy book series from Paul Thompson, also known as the Harry Chester Libertarian, also known as the uh, the Sean Spencer uh, doppelganger, also oh, known yes. as the Brilliant Baker, the uh, I don't know, this is just we could keep going on and on, uh, but but we. Uh, we uh, we came to chapter. We're doing chapters eight and nine, correct? Is that right? I believe that that's is right. correct. Okay, that's what I. Read. 
That's what I read, so I'm hoping that that's right. Uh, so we're working our way through it a couple chapters a week, and <clears throat> uh, if you want to keep, if you want to read along with us, you can go to um, his website. If you actually look up the the Drosselmeyer, the Nutcracker trilogy, Google it. I think you go straight to there. Nutcracker trilogy by Paul Thompson. You can find it on Kindle. You can find it in paperback, which you know I love having the paperback with a nice little little signature and note from uh um from the author. Um, uh, but we are going through chapters eight and nine, so um we haven't been doing this as much with with Nutcracker, but we should do it now. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! We are going to spoil this book if you have not read up to chapter eight. If you have, then you know. Keep listening. Um, so, without any further delay, now it is time for R A W J A J A T R D colon T W R B T H L C T C A A T. We abbreviated it to save your time. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, our favorite part of the show. <laughs> I think I'm so glad that you wrote that down. Uh, <laughs> It's it's actually been so long since I used that act, that abbreviation that I don't even really know what it all stands for. <laughs> I've uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of like the YMCA. No one knows what it stands for anymore. You know, like uh, <laughs> it's just the YMCA. It's what it is. It's the YMCA. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> that is, uh, that has never been a good enough reason for us to stop doing a bit. That's right. Um, I don't plan on stopping now. If anything, it argues for the continued use. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's kind of a, a a series of meetings throughout these chapters. Really, what it is, you've got um, starts with a meeting with with uh, with, he finally with he gets it's a uh, gets finally gets his meeting um, with the head of this resistance. Um, so the doll reminds him that it's time for him to go to meet Katya at the uh, pub. And uh, and he's been scouring his library for any reference to these creatures um, that he's been interacting with. Um, the creatures from the school and from the... Um, that have now started popping up everywhere else. Um, that, that, of course, Borea's Celestine contained one. Um, he's, uh, and he's finding no evidence in any written book says, and, and, and he says that worries me doll. It means no other wizard has dealt with something like this, or if they did, they didn't write about it. Why is that, sir? Doll asked. I don't know for its answer. Maybe they all died. Um, but, but, um, he travels to the pub, um, Comes inside. Katya. <coughs> I'm so sorry. I am. Yeah, sorry. Uh, she, uh, she. She blindfolds him and she's going to keep. Uh, take him to a secret meeting spot, which I found hilarious right away. Because I was just like, um, the minute he, they take off the blindfold. He's located the spot he can travel back to. It's like, uh, yeah, you can tell these people are not thinking like wizards at, at all. <laughs> like, 
It doesn't matter where you are. He can travel to the exact location. But anyway. Um, but yeah. Um, blindfolds him. I had another thought when she put the blindfold on him, which is, which is, how 100% confident is he that she's not going to try to stab him again? <laughs> like, Fair point. Um, but as soon as the blindfold comes off, she's he, uh, he's sitting across from a person with bushy beard, eyes obscured by a cap, and the he, she's sitting across from the resistance leader who very curtly just gets right to the point and says, what do you want? Uh, Fritz looks around, mostly so that probably so that he could travel back if he needed to. Right. Like I, 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 by now I've figured out how wizards think. Like he's taking in all the details in case he has to travel back. Uh, but then he he says, um, uh, his his question, of course, the first question is how he knows the wizards promise because that, that's the real question he has. He wants to know if this guy's a wizard. Um, but. Um, but then he, the, the, it ultimately ca- cascades to, he asks, what is your connection to the order? Um, uh, the man broke into a sudden fit of laughter, brush the hair back from your face, boy. Fritz started. He hadn't been called a boy in a very long time. The resistance leader motioned his hand and Fritz saw the wrinkles and calluses. The man studied Fritz, Fritz's face for a second, and then leaned back. Information like that will cost you. I want to know what I get from you. And so they make a deal that uh, that in exchange for Drosselmeyer helping them out on a mission, that he'll be that Heron was going to tell him everything. Which Heron, by the way, that's the name of the guy. He ends up revealing himself. His name is Heron, which is one of the three wizards that Marzi had brought up before of, of other strong wizards uh, who are not in the order. Um. And so Heron agree or Fritz agrees to this. And uh, it turns out they're going on a mission. Uh, they're going to sabotage the gold, the central gold mines, the place where all of the, the boys who have been kidnapped and taken away from the, the foster homes have been sent to work. And they're going to, they're going to sabotage the gold mines. But Fritz, of course, his question is about the boys um, which Heron and uh, assures him this is a rescue and destroy mission. No boy will be harmed intentionally, but I can't promise. And so, um, but in the midst of this, he, he realizes that Katya has some emotional involvement in this mission too. It's yeah. not, it's not just, she wants to screw the emperor or screw over the czar. She's got some kind of emotional investment in these minds and in these boys. Um, we can only speculate at this point what it could be, but I, I think it's safe to say there is a child in her past, right? <clears throat> Whether that was a a child her own age, maybe it's a brother or sister, a child of her own, like a son, um, some kind of a, a boy. There's a boy in her past that it has to do with. Um, <clears throat> that's that's my best guess. Um. But uh, Heron gets everyone out of the room and then gives uh, Drosselmeyer a mirror to enchant so that they can get a hold of him. 
And uh, this is the first that Heron kind of uh, acknowledges wizardry in any sort of way. Um, and, and then he also ends up telling them, uh, what was it? He said, he says, uh, Oh no, no, it's actually much later that none of them know that he is about the magic. Like no, no one in the resistance knows about oh. the magic. Um, and, and in fact, later on, we find out that Heron is, is not as strong in, in the magic as he used to be. Um, which I think, I think was an interesting way to point out something that we knew before that was stated before, but it's always good to be shown it instead of just told how much the order is kind of uh, uh, like it is. It really is a head above the rest of the magical world is to say, this is one of the other powerful wizards uh, in the world who are not connected to the order. And the order is way out of his league. Right. I thought that was a really good way to show once again, how powerful the order is, um, particularly the power that they get from their, because this, this becomes an important point later on as the story goes on, how much power they get from their medallions. Right. Is that, that what you absolutely? Yeah. 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 He also indicates that he, um, at the end of this meeting that, that he, that he knows that Fritz will be able to come back here anytime he wants. Yeah. So he's just saying, so we're never going to be back here. <laughs> yeah. We're done at this. Look, he's like, we burned this location because he said, uh, she removed the blindfold from her pocket, but Heron stopped her. He won't be needing that. He's welcome to come back to this location whenever he wants, but he won't find us here ever again. So it's like, he's, so it's like him acknowledging. I can think like a wizard too. <laughs> Yeah. I know why you're looking around the room. You think you're going to come back here. That's fine. Go ahead. We're not going to be here. We burned this spot. Um, but then uh, he goes through some. Uh, uh, he goes. He, he goes through by. He goes through a couple locations on his way home, just because he didn't want to leave open the possibility that Heron could follow him or track right. him in any way. <clears throat> Uh, but that that ends the first meeting. The second meeting uh, is one with the order. Let's let's just comment. Good writing. You've established a mechanic. Keep yes. keep considering this mechanic you've established. Don't yeah. ignore it. Your characters need to be aware of this mechanic you've established, where you can follow someone's yeah. fast travel. Yeah. Um. So so well done. <laughs> yes. Um, correct. <clears throat> so, yeah, because they'll do it again in a little bit. Anyway, um, the next meeting is one of the order. Now, this is something that we have that we haven't had in a long time because there hasn't been a head of the order in a long time. Uh, but <clears throat> he travels in a steaming mug of tea into his home, and then he makes note of something that. Again, the infinity rooms were still there. So no one has used their key to turn off the infinity rooms. And then uh, he and then, it, then he says, while he's still thinking about these creatures, he then wonders, I wonder if the other wizards have any knowledge of this. 
Surely they won't have their library. Surely they would have their libraries with their books. Uh, I'm unsure, Dahl said from his nightstand. The toy refused to move uh, because early on he said, don't touch anything uh, to the doll. <laughs> and the doll is steadfastly following that rule uh, to not touch literally anything. Um, <clears throat> but then Fritz decides he's going to do something drastic. He's going to actually go to the place where the order meets and call a meeting of the order. Um, and he says, yeah, I'm a member now. I have the same rights and privileges as the, as the others. He stopped. I may even be the head of the order. Uh, he just <laughs> realizes that uh, he's not sure about the hierarchy. He might actually be the head of the order now since Farouk is uh, trapped in the Celestine. And he would have been the one who inherited his uh, <clears throat> master's head of order medallion. Um, but then, so then he travels to the place where they're all located or where they all come to meet, sits down in his chair <coughs> and calls an emergency meeting of the order, which by literally, by literally, he's just saying the words into the night and nothing happens. <clears throat> He calls it again, well, and nothing. Well, a tone, a tone goes off. So, so he knows. Yeah, he knows, he knows the other the message. Yeah, but nobody comes. And then the realization hit him: they didn't owe him or the order anything. The group was finished, disbanded. Their allegiance was to themselves and no one else. They could live the rest of their lives in comfort. They had houses and land the same as him. They probably had piles of treasure and could escape any danger with a simple thought. They had only themselves and their comfort to think about. Fritz, on the other hand, had family and friends. He had liabilities. He couldn't just sit on the sidelines and watch his loved ones die or stay trapped in a, magic, in a magical crystal ball. Their treasure had no feelings. His wealth needed protecting. So once again, he does something drastic. What does he do, Jeff? He uses his key to collapse the infinity rooms. That I just I my jaw kind of dropped at this point. I was like, yeah, like he he did it. Like he's been all along wondering and kind of state like the the statement that keeps being brought up about the infinity rooms. Oh, the infinity rooms have been. Like he's expecting someone else to do it. That someone else is going to eventually try and screw over the rest of the order and turn off the infinity rooms. And then suddenly he just like, he's not even thinking about it. Like later on in this, in the, in this, this section, yeah, he's he's really like, he suddenly realizes like, what have I done? That was so drastic, but he, he just gets so fed up with the carelessness of the order. that They don't care as long as they have their treasure and there's stuff that they're, nothing's going to shake them out of this. And so he does something desperate. And, and honestly, I think this may have been the only thing he could have done to get the order to actually listen to him and come together. Yeah. As much as he, he, you know, frets over this or, or if he gets frustrated at his own impulsiveness later, like it's probably the right move. But he throws his key into the lock. All the doors open up and they're empty rooms. The inf infinity rooms are gone. All the treasures that have been built up over the years, 
all of the weapons, all of the everything has been just gone. It's a bold move, but it works. Because very shortly later, he hears the same uh, sound in his head that he had heard earlier when he called an emergency meeting. Says, oh, someone called an emergency meeting. Uh, someone wants to know where the heck their infinity room just went. Um, yeah. And in fact, he was the last to arrive. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were, they, they were now much more interested in this meeting. <laughs> which what's interesting is that means they noticed right away. Yes. That they've been cut off from their treasure. They're so dependent on their stuff that they, they realize it right away. You know, um, but, but, but he's just entered into a new, a new phase. <clears throat> like all along, we've talked about how the order's magical power is not the only thing that makes them what they are. Like, like they are a, because of their magic, they have been able to train physically because they can heal their bones. They can push their bodies to the limits. And then heal it up, which means that their body heals to a greater limit. And that's why they're such great fighters, even without the magic. Um, but, but the big thing is their access to those infinity rooms has been a huge means of their power. That they never lack money because they have huge stores of it in their infinity room. They never lack um, weaponry because they've got it all in their infinity room. They, they never lack for... They lack for nothing because of the deep, deep resources that those infinity rooms um, provide. And now they're gone. This is a this is going to be a story story or or, or a, a epic changing moment that Drosselmeyer Fritz just just performed. Um, but yeah, three. The three other members of the order, the remaining members of the order, are there for its last room arrive. Eric has a noticeable, has a subtle limp. Um, that limp, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, comes from the final battle they had, right? That they that they injured Hanja's leg. I can't remember. I, but all I, right, Eric's. Sorry, sorry, not Hanja. Eric's leg, and it's Hanya yeah. because I keep forgetting these are Russians, not Arabic. I keep trying to pronounce that Arabic. But it's Hanya. This is Russian. Um, but um, you got Hanya, who uh, is has a whose face is quite disfigured from Vivian's um, digestive uh, acidic flower that snapped on her during the battle. Um, and it says, whatever emotions her face hid, her eyes made abundantly clear. She hated Fritz. Um, <clears throat> so Eric sits down and then bellows, where is Sylvia? She won't be coming, Fritz answered. Why not? Glissinda asked in a piercing tone. She's dead, Fritz replied with a cold bluntness. How do you know this? Eric shot back. Fritz held up the second medallion. Because I'm the one who killed her. Fritz, Max, Fritz met Eric's shocked expression with a cool gaze. The three wizards exchanged worried looks. She attacked and I defended myself, Fritz clarified, but that's not why we're here. 
I, I love like the just um because of course anytime you do we, we I feel like the Fritz has mastered the art of the power move. Like this is what I love about books like this. We can see into his head, and so we see his doubts and his fears. But then you get to see he you also get to see his pose. And and he just very calmly, she's dead. Why? Because I killed her. And that's a that's an implicit threat to the rest of the group, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. And they perceive it as such. <laughs> I killed another one. That's why. Like, there's been two dead wizards uh, at the hand of Fritz because he killed Boria, right? Right. Didn't he? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Oh right, because Farouk couldn't do it, and so it Farouk killed. It's, it's interesting they 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 traded masters. Farouk killed his master. He killed oh, Farouk's my. master. That's how they both became the masters. Um. So basically, you know, uh, yeah. For, it's at this point that Fritz realizes what he did. It's just, oh my gosh, uh, it, that that he just he acted so drastically just because they wouldn't. Um, respect him but of course he can't show that he shows outward coldness calmness uh, we are under attack he told them something evil is here and none of us will be safe against the demon I have checked my library and I have no record of it I want to know if you have any information either experience or from your libraries that could help us fight them and then uh <coughs> He he almost feels bad for them for a second until he remembers how badly they abused all of the the apprentice his apprentice friends. Um uh and Fritz says, "Yes, I destroyed everything." Because uh, Eric's question was like, "Oh, you you really you got rid of all of our, you destroyed our infinity rooms for that?" And he said, "Yes, I destroyed everything to get your attention. Think of me what you will, but I will not be ignored." That's a that's a power move right there. Uh, the wizards watched him sitting stock still in their chairs. And then he says, the czar is collecting gold for the cre for the creature. A lot of gold. When I questioned him, I saw Headmaster Peabody and his secretary, Mrs. Fairchild, in the castle. They were aware of my magic and had no fear of it. They approached me in a threatening manner. I later had a confrontation with Ms. Wakimba, and she too displayed powers beyond a normal human. I think she may be able to control people with her mind. Every one of you was a conspirator in a treacherous relationship with Borea and, by extension, Tsar Nikolaus. Your crimes against the Order aside, I want to know if the actions of young Tsar Nikolaus have anything to do with what Borea was planning. And then Glacinda rose out. This was dope. Glacinda rose out of her chair. You dare hurl accusations against. Sit down, Fritz roared. And his voice shook the ground. Lucinda fell back into her chair, into her seat. I love these little pictures of, again, like reminding us, like Drosselmeyer. Yeah, again, Heron, Order, Drosselmeyer. Yeah. Like the, out, out of their league, out of the people who every other wizard is out of their league. Um, but he says, I'm not here to hold court for your actions, Fritz told the Northern Wizard. I'm here because whatever is going on with the Tsar is spreading, and none of us are immune to its power. 
Whatever creatures the headmaster, Mrs. Fairchild, and Ms. Wakimba are, they do not fear wizards, and that worries me. Hanya spoke up. If this is in if this is connected with Boria's mission to create the divine convergence, then it is of no use. His medallion is with Farouk, and he isn't responding to anyone's messages. They don't know why. Draw some wire nose. Uh, so, uh, so maybe this isn't Boria's quest. Fritz offered back to her. What else could it be? Why should we care? Glistened to cut in. He's collecting gold. So what? As to the guardians, none of us know what they are. And I love the the casualness with which uh, in he just drops the name of these creatures. Like, yeah, we know about the we know about the guardians. Like, I love how casually she drops that. Like, this is a mystery that he cannot figure out an answer to. And there's like, yeah, well, the guardians are. We don't know what they are. Who cares? It's like, hold up, guardians? Uh, she's right, Eric added. A wizard has no use for gold outside of purchasing power. We can't enchant it. The, the guardians have watched over St. Michael's for centuries and never given us cause for alarm. No one knows what they are, and frankly, we don't care. It's <laughs> like, hold up, guard guardians? Well, what do they guard? And, and then Hanya says, we owe you nothing. Disappears. Glacinda herself disappears soon after um, although Hanya leaves with a threat if you want to start a fight with the guardians go ahead but don't expect us to help you not in man in magic or knowledge vanishes in the puff of smoke Lucinda warns if you call a meeting of the order again you better be ready for a fight and then Eric stood up first muttered any parting words then the giant wizard says I want to talk. So we're, uh, you're expecting the storm off from all three of them, but one of them stays behind and says, let's talk. <clears throat> and that gets to the third meeting of the two chapters or the first meeting of chapter nine. Um, what's kind of the general sense or what, what do we get? What are some sub, uh, things that we get from this meeting with Eric? Um, so, so he explains to him what the divine convergence is. It's mm -hmm. all six medallions fitted together. That's important because yes, so far he's not realized that they fit together. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll really figure out until later in the chapter. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and so, so he's explaining why they were all willing to collaborate with Borea to give him this divine convergence. Yeah. Power. And, um, and, uh, Eric says that, uh, Lucinda and Hanya are doing it selfishly, but he's a true believer. Although he, he although believes. he doesn't actually know Hanya's reason. Hanya could be a true believer for all we know, too. Like, like that's what he says. Hanya was actually surprised oh, yeah. everyone. He says, I he wasn't even aware of her involvement until he trailed off that day. 
Right. Okay. So it was it was Lucinda and Sylvia who were into this right. selfishly. Right. Right. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like he's a true believer. Like he said, he like his his reason is he was convinced. Like he was he was convinced by by Boria that there is this massive world-ending army that is going to be raised by someone, and that the divine convergence is necessary to combat it. Now we don't know who's raising this army. What's army of what? Um, that's not being answered. I mean, my, my initial response would be like, oh, it's something related to the guardians, but then why would he be working with like this guardian in the Celestine? If he's trying to use it, you know, like if if that's the enemy, why is he working with them? You know, that, that, right. so it, it can't be them, whatever they're figuring out, whatever they're trying to do, there was some kind of a mutually beneficial uh, using each other relationship that they're hoping to get something and they're just starting it, just whatever their goal is, whatever they've been working on. And, and the, the fact that they've been in charge of the school for, he said, what do they say? Centuries or, or did they, did he say centuries? Uh, centuries. Yeah. Two. Uh, okay. in, in chapter eight, <clears throat> um, if they've been watching over the school for centuries, then you know that they are, Creatures with a long-term plan. And so if they're right. moving on something, things have fallen into place. And so it, so my gut is to say that the Guardians are working on something different than Boria. And Boria, and I think they're probably both using each other and planning on betraying each other at some point, trying to beat each other to the punch on betraying, using each other in the meantime. Um, but yeah, Eric believes in this divine convergence. And that's why he, he signed up for the this uh Boria's betrayal thing. Um but yeah. Um so then Eric makes him a promise, right? He says, Alright, here's the deal. Boria gave me a book. Everything you want to know about the divine convergence, the end of days, the guardian, Saul in that book. And uh and Eric says, Alright, here's the deal. I'm not I'm not gonna give you it. You got to come read it where it is at my house. So he said, all right, I'm going to so just just follow me. Fritz agrees to the deal. Vanishes in a puff of smoke. Fritz casts the spell and that allowed him to follow after. But here's the thing. <clears throat> Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm going to rip your freaking skull apart. So he's ready because he's like, yep, I've seen this movie before. And uh, and so he comes out swinging, and is he wrong? He is not. It is intended to be a trap. It was definitely a trap. Um, uh, and there's a big, a pretty dope battle between Eric and um and Fritz. <coughs> it was a, it was a really dope battle, and but one one interesting thing is he notices that the fighting style is very similar to the big guy that almost got uh, Fritz in the beginning of the book. And Ooh. and there's a lot of similar fighting styles. In fact, to such an extent that, um, and that, that Eric's about to smash his head down uh, in a move that got him pretty bad earlier, but this time Fritz, right. Fritz is ready for it. 
See, that's one thing about Fritz is you can't get him with the same trick twice. He's if you if he's been hit by it before, he's gonna be ready for it next time. And um and sure enough, the battle ends with uh a dead Eric on the floor and Fritz um Fritz still standing. Um So Fritz takes his medallion, just like he took uh, Sil uh, Sylvia's earlier. Um, that's an important detail. Um, and then he searches the house for this book, and then sure enough, there's there's no book. Right. Um, there's there's no book. Um, he says, uh, "What was the word he says?" He says, um, "He predicted the ambush, just not the lie." Right. Like it, it's, it's like, oh man, I, I I wish. I guess I was just hoping. That he was using a true statement to lure me into the ambush, but nope. Sure enough, Eric lied about the whole thing. Although on the way, he finds Andor's room, and he sees uh, that Andor's a bit of an artist. He's been drawing, have been drawing pictures of him and the other um, apprentices, and and there's a. It's kind of like it's a it's a good mo nice little moment of of purity. In the midst of this kind, of, this has been a really dark novel. Um, mm -hmm. the first novel had a lot of pure moments, um, but this book has been much more dark. Um, there's been relatively few pure, what you call like moments of, of just purity. Um, but I think because it's a darker novel, you appreciate those moments of of purity a little more. Like the other one, I would say is when he gets to, when he got to spend time with his friend uh, from the Southern Kingdom. Um, oh yeah, William. Not Richard. Was it not William? No, Richard's his brother. Oh, I forget his name. Um, ah, if we're gonna flip past it real quick. Um. Uh, the, 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 oh, shoot. Edward. 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 Um, all these kingly names, these English kingly names. Uh, yeah. yeah. <coughs> um, but, um, th those are kind of the few kind of moments of, of purity. Even, even his, his love interest is, you know, she's a, Woman of the night, so there's some dark elements to that. Um, well, that. he's very guilty, and he feels very guilty about it because, of course, continues in this in this chapter. He's very guilty, yeah, uh, about thinking of her that way at all. Yeah, and and that's uh, yeah, but but it's a nice little moment of purity where he finds this this uh, charcoal drawing of him and the other. Um, Apprentices, and he decides he's going to save it for when uh, Andor gets back after he's rescued him and set him back to normal. Um, and then the next section, he gets back to his out uh, to his home, and he starts looking at these medallions and um. And this is where he notices, and this like what what you said earlier that these medallions actually fit together. Or at least certain medallions do, or that there is a certain order that they are meant to fit into. Six covers, of them will all fit together, most likely. Yes, but they have to go in a certain order. 
right. because while Sylvia's never fit into Drossel Myers, uh, Eric's does. He notices that there's kind of a snap. They snap together, and he looks at them and he sees that they're actually the inside of the medallion. It fits interlocking, and um, and this is where he he starts to realize. Okay, so this is what Boria was moving toward. What he was trying to do. And so he runs a chain through both of them, puts it on, and he feels a huge surge of power. Yes. So, so his power has become so great just from adding one other medallion. Of course, it makes him leads him to wonder, oh, man, what would it be if we had all of them together? Like, he can just, you, know, you can just imagine how much power he would have. Um, but then, um, he, he doesn't have too much time to think about it. Well, he's, I mean, for one thing, he's thinking this would be at least enough power that he could open up the, the, uh, Celestine and get someone inside to, to rescue his friends. But, but then he's, he's just, he's distracted because Heron's, uh, sends the message that, uh, it's time to go. The mission is starting. Um, they're going to start with reconnaissance, and the battle's going to start tomorrow. Um, um, and so they, they, of course, because they don't know about the magic, they have to go by foot, four away, not the whole way. Um, after a while, they pull away, the two wizards pull away from the group. And this is where we discover that Heron, um, while he is a wizard, he's out of practice and low on power. Because just yes. one... Um, just one travel, traveling spell, kind of leaves him pretty worn out, right? And that's supposed to be one of the one of the ones that takes the least energy. Yeah, yeah. So he's 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 seen better days of his magic, or he's playing Grosselmire somehow. Um, it's an option that's coming to my mind at this point. It's like, oh, or he can yeah, also... Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but that's of course possible, yeah. Um, who knows? Um, I'm open to that possibility. Remember, Always remember that wizard means wise one. There, what, what, what makes a wizard isn't the magic, but it's the wiliness. Um, but they get to... They get to the gold mine, and they find something surprising, don't they? Um, what's what's surprising about the gold mine? It's active. It's active in the middle of the night, which is yeah. when it's not supposed to be. Like, like usually it's not active at this time of night. But not only is it active, but it looks like <laughs> their information is bad, and that the gold's planning on going out that night. Um, yeah. So it would appear. Uh, and so they have, they have the carts and the horses. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, let's see, eight and nine. I'm suddenly realizing that I think I read ahead. Um, but this time it was me who couldn't stop reading. <clears throat> but what they what they do is they 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 kidnap one of the kid one of the boys to question him. And what do they find out about him? 
Where are they he's from? The from? He's from the Southern Kingdom. First of all, his name was William. That's what I was thinking his of. Name's William. Yeah. Which, which, he, what? What's significant about that is this isn't the Central Kingdom. Right. It's not the Central Kingdom, which is where all the boys have been brought from before, and he hasn't. The Central Kingdom hasn't conquered the Southern Kingdom yet. So how is he getting boys from the Southern Kingdom? It's a, it's a great question. One that we hope will be answered in the next edition of Drosselmeyer and the Watchers. Drosselmeyer, the Watchers Realm. Grab a copy. Buy a copy. Buy six copies. Give four of them away. You're going to want an extra copy. Uh, so... And of course, uh, you know, I know that that they they you know the authors are always really grateful if you're if you're reading it along and you want to drop a line to at thcl official, um, let them know that you were enjoying his book and enjoying the read along that you've been doing with us, and uh, that you can find exclusively at r a w j a j a t r d colon t w r b t h l c. Uh, THCL, pardon me, uh, TCAAT. Uh, you're welcome for the abbreviation. I apologize uh, for uh, the transposition of letters. I'm sure you totally would have noticed. Um, uh, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and hey, by the way, I mean, if you're going to let the him know that you're enjoying uh, the read through, let us know too. You can leave a comment below if you're watching the video or if you're listening or either or if you're watching the video too here. You can go to anarchistbiblestudy at gmail.com. Send us a line there and uh, <clears throat> let us know um, how much you're enjoying the read-through of the Watcher's Realm, how much you're enjoying um, what, what you're enjoying about preambling, what you want to hear us preamble about next, things like that. And if you want to force us to talk about something, you can do that by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. And for $5, you can force us to talk about something. And uh, we'll say we'll get it done in two weeks, and it'll actually take us eight. Because um, that's what we do. You know, we, we give. We're givers. You ask for an inch, we give you a 12-week uh, podcast series. That's what we do. <laughs> And so uh, you, you can do that. Or for a mere dollar a month, a mere dollar a month, you can join our secret Discord server where we have great conversations about great books, uh, fiction and nonfiction. And um, you can also be part of the chat where you can try to distract us away from reading um, Drosselmeyer. And uh, also you get to watch all these videos um, before they air when we record them the first time. And, uh, and, and yeah, am I missing something? Our, our references list has, has become so pat that I just I'm like feel like it's coming too easy. Is there, am I missing something? They can, of course, of course follow you at IOANCAP on Twitter. Yeah, you can do that. That's pretty great, especially because I'm, I'm getting in the habit of writing about a novel a week over there. Uh, <laughs> Where you never know what kind of hot, what kind of uh, thread I'm going to come out with next. Uh, people have been enjoying them, the, the, making people think, I guess. So that's great. And of course, they can follow you at J Park YYC. 
Gay Park YYC. And YYC means Calgary for some reason because Canada is Canada. I guess I guess you go on the metric system and your letters start meaning different words. I don't know. Uh and and um, you and follow follow me if if uh if you like uh constant 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 tweeting about education policy that's 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 basically what you can expect from me <laughs> yeah i mean and and I, I tweet about theology and all kinds of other things too i tweet about the kinds of things we talk about on the show but that's right. for the most part my twitter is education policy these days <laughs> yeah but it's great solid stuff but yeah i don't think i can think of anything else to say so uh maybe we need to go ahead and say enough preambling let's get to the show shook the ground i fell back in my chair this has been preambling to hear more of our conversation please tune in to episode 86 maybe you're all wrong grace and peace